0: Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to read your word. God, I I truly want to thank you for the fact that you saved us and the fact that you're real and that the stories in the Bible are real. They happened. And that we can read them and, and, and get a complete picture of how our life is supposed to be. And God, and a lot of times we can find meaning and purpose and we can find clarity. And God, even when we really can't find clarity, we know that you're in control. We know that we can't find every single answer, but we know we can trust in you. And God, that you put everything in your word that we need to know about you so that we can live this life for your glory. I pray that you would show that to us tonight and that you would give me the words to speak and you'd give me the heart and the conviction and the compassion and the passion to speak it Lord, I I just, I love you so much, and I'm thankful that you love me, that you love all of us, and that this opportunity to listen to your word is one that we should not take for granted. And it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. So right before I came up here, I couldn't find my Bible. I was like, what in the world happened to my Bible? And I was like, and that's one thing you need when you preach God's word, is God's word. So I was looking for it and I was like, oh, wait, here it is. And so I found it in Kenny's office and it was like three times the size as my Bible, but it looked just like it. So I thought, this has got to be Kenny's Bible. And I go to Kenny, I was like, hey, man, I can't find my Bible. So is it cool if I use yours? And he looked down at his seat. And he started looking at the Bible that was sitting right there. I said, there's my Bible. And so, you know, God provides. I almost lost his word. But it's all good. He gave it back to me. I found it some way. I was lost, but now I'm found. So, anyways, that was not supposed to be funny. I was just letting y'all know um, what happened. But y'all can laugh if you want to make me feel just a little better about telling y'all this. Okay. So, um, we just got back from camp. and uh, And so, when I was at camp, I went into it just praying that God would do a miracle. It would just be like, wow, like so awesome. And because I heard Francis Chan say, you know, it's it's not really about like all the details that you put together. It's, it's you trusting God and, and you just praying that a miracle would happen because it's not all about church stuff. It's not about, you know, the schedule that you make and, and all the activities that you do and, the, and all the messages you put together, you know, so intricately and all this kind of stuff. It's, hey, God, would you do something? And so, like, that's what I was praying. And I tried not to worry about any of the details. And so that left me uh, without getting lunch for them for 60 people um, at a water park. It, Kylie came up to me and was like, hey, so look, we need to have them, you know, we need to let them know that we're probably going to eat lunch around 12 and uh, you probably need to call them and see, do they have it ready all that kind of stuff? And I was like, "Lunch, huh?" And I was like, "Oh crap. I was like, "Man, did I forget to call them and tell them we needed lunch and that I could pay for it? That should pay for it?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did." And so I didn't even tell Kenny. I walked outside to try to call him. It turns out it's like seven o'clock at this point. Wait, it's like nine thirty ish And so I called him and it's like, sorry, we did not open until 1030. I was like, oh my gosh, so like, this is this has got to be a joke. And then when we get there, Kenny's like, uh, turns out, turns out someone saved your butt. Someone called here last week and paid for lunch altogether. And I was like, that was like on the second day. So I hadn't even like preached yet. I haven't even really got settled in. I hadn't even unpacked my bags, got my, I mean, it was just like everything was still in a, jumbled mess in my mind. This is Tuesday morning. We got there Monday, didn't preach nothing. We just chilled out because the the ride was like 10 hours. But then I was like, okay, if God can provide such a small thing as a meal, I'm pretty sure He can provide such wonderful things as salvation in kids' lives in, in spite of my flaws, in spite of my forgetfulness or whatever it may be, you know, it was just crazy. But I, was, I, go, I went into it thinking, like, what is church like? Well, how is a youth ministry supposed to be? Because in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I see all these youth pastors around. They've got, they've got like 40 or 50 kids, and it seems like all of them are so happy to be at church, you know. It's like, oh, yeah, church. And it's like, they go there, they're like, you know, they have friends, and they got, you know, boyfriend and girlfriend there. They've got like a group of guys. They got a They got a small group, and man, they're just, they're going at them. They got movie night together like once a week, and they read their Bible together. It's just like all this activity, all this stuff going on. I'm like, what is the youth ministry supposed to look like anyway? Like, I don't even know. The Bible doesn't talk about youth ministry. So, I mean, it's just like, it's specifically. And so I'm reading the Bible, and I'm like, what is church supposed to be like? And I saw that it's really supposed to be about love. What's mine is yours. And it's really supposed to be like this love that the world doesn't recognize because the world cannot produce this kind of love. This love only comes from God. So when we show our love to our brothers and sisters because of the love of God in our hearts, that's how that's what church is. Church is not a building. You, you know that? Church is not we're not in church. We we are church. And so like it's just all these things coming through my mind and bam. Camp just blows my mind, and it was insane. I was like, okay, I'm in small groups, so there's there's seven of us in there, all seven of us are in there crying. These grown men in my, I mean, like, the guys in my small group made me look like a little boy, okay? So I, I'm just looking at them, and they're, they're all crying, I'm like, man, I gotta cry. I mean, like, I feel weird if I don't, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it was so cool to see... Everybody just, I've never seen anything like it. I, I don't even know if half our students knew each other, and they all just, it was like nothing. They were just like tight. They were just like a tight-knit group, and all the, all the girls and all the guys, they were just—they friends, and they were, they were getting along. There was just such love there, and I'm just, my mind was blown. And so now we're back. We're back to reality, right? But I started to think to myself, what is reality? Because exactly what Kenny said while we were there, he said, maybe we're not just, maybe camp is not just something extremely special. Maybe we're doing something wrong back at home. Maybe, just maybe, there's something that we're missing when we go back home. And and I don't like the um, the post-camp speech about, hey guys, let's keep this going. You know, if we do this, we have like, 30 bajillion kids come in here. We're all going to get saved, and we're going to have a revival. Woo! Everybody's winning. You know, this kind of thing. I don't really like that speech because um, I think the, the, you know, the life of a Christ follower kind of goes like this. You know, like there's a little bit of highs and lows, and just like Kenny tells me all the time when I'm struggling, he says that you don't learn the same things in the valley as you do on the mountaintops. And he says, I'm thankful for both. So why do we expect to be on a mountaintop for the, our whole Christian life? Or why are we saying, hey, let's keep this going? I understand trusting in Christ to keep it going, but here's my thing. When I got back, I said, what should we talk about? And how should I lead? And I simplified it. Yeah, yeah. I simplified it down in my mind just so I can understand what, what is my role as a leader of the youth. What is my role as just a leader in my work? What is it, period? And it's, I just kind of narrowed it down to this, so that we can follow Christ. That's it. You know, I'm looking at people like John Piper, Francis Chan, David Platt, and they do this really well. But I'm not either one of those three guys. And I had to realize that I am a little different had to realize that Kenny is way different, and it was just like, you know, I I see you, Kenny. No one laughed, but you did. I like, yeah, I like that. But it's just crazy to me. I'm just like, I'm putting so much pressure on myself to be a certain way when really these guys that are doing it really well, they started out with that mindset too, is I just want to help people follow Christ. I just want to share the gospel with these people and Help them to follow after Christ. I don't have to have some kind of, you know, fancy this or fancy that, whatever it may be. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to learn about the dude we're following. There he is right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought, there's a lot of people who claim to follow Christ, but ain't got a clue who the dude is. Ain't got a clue what he did on earth. Ain't got a clue what he taught. Has no clue what it feels like to have him inside of here. And it's just, hey, we got a bunch of new believers. We got some people questioning where they want to follow after Christ. So let's talk about Christ. Let's talk about, let's talk about what the whole Bible is centered around, everything after the gospel and everything before it was talking about him. And he comes here to fulfill the law. He came here to teach the disciples what they needed to do to grow the church, as in I need people to come to me for rest. I need people to come to me for forgiveness and for healing and for all these things that we need as humans all have a necessity in our hearts for those things forgiveness, healing, and just guidance and, and peace and compassion. All these things. We need these things. So I want to start out. I was just I was just reading I was just reading the other night and I want to start out in Mark chapter six verse forty five. And just to kind of give you like what happened before this, like a context of it, was in chapter four, it started out with Jesus and his disciples. They, they, his disciples had just witnessed Jesus healing this man of a demon, and we all heard of the guy that had the demons, and he was like, he was crazy. He'd break chains, and he was lived in a cemetery, and he had a you know, legion in his body, like you know, a legion of demons, crazy stuff. And so he healed that person, and then as soon as that happened, uh, just a crazy event like that. They get on the water, and they start crossing this lake, and a storm rises up. And, and Jesus is like in the bottom of the boat, chilling, and he's like in a hammock or something. And then all of a sudden, his, his disciples realize, okay, look, something's got to give because we're about to die. Like, this boat is about to tip over. Something's about to happen, and I'm scared for my life. And they go down there and they're like, hey, yo, Jesus, what's up? I need you to come up here. I need you to be scared with us because we're about to die. And he's like, he's like, do you not have any faith? And he gets up there and he just tells the winds and he tells the storm to just be quiet and be still. And there was stillness. And it terrified the disciples. It just absolutely, I mean, like, I can't really imagine because. In my mind, when I hear this story, I automatically think, what's the moral? You know, like, hey, what's, what's, what are you trying to tell me here? I don't automatically jump to, was it real? Like, how big were the waves? Because we think to ourselves, like, okay, we heard this story a million times, but that was for real. They, they were literally on the verge of death. And this is not just a fairy tale. And Jesus, for real, calmed the storm. And it's all kinds of crazy things like that. And then and then it goes on, and, and Jesus, uh, the disciples are tired. He's tired because people follow them everywhere, and we all know how people get. They're crazy. Y'all are crazy. We just, we're all crazy, and we just think, oh, this is cool, you know, and we annoy the crap out of people, and, and we make people tired. I mean, this is how it is. So Jesus is like, you know, he's walking with his 12 people, and there's like 5,000 people at any one time following him, and... Hey, Jesus, performed another miracle. Woo, you know, that's really cool. And, and so they're just tired. I mean, they're just worn out. So Jesus says, hey, yo, disciples, let's go to the mountains. Chill out. Let's get it, you know, let's go camp, and we'll eat, and we'll rest for a while. And so he tells his disciples that, and as they start walking, there's a, a crowd just starts forming around them. And, and then his disciples, like, he starts teaching them, and, and he's like, man, I, I can't just leave them because they look like sheeps without a sheep without a shepherd. Is sheeps, a word, kind of like gooses. You know, that's like not a word, it's geese. But they're like sheep without a shepherd. So he's had compassion on them because they're just lost. And he, and he just can't, he can't go and just rest right now because these people are lost. And, and they start gathering around, and, it's just, and then it, the disciples, hey, let's just send them away because they look hungry, and they, you know, they're far, you know, far from home. They probably traveled a long way, and Jesus, and it was like, they need to go home and eat dinner, okay? Jesus said, you feed them. They're like, whoa, hey, whoa, slow down, JC. What, with what? You know, like, I don't know what to feed them with. It would take months to raise enough money to go to Zaxby's and get them all some chicken, and we can, we don't have that, Jesus. And he says, what do you have? I don't know, a couple of fish and some loaves. And so, what happens next, you might just be totally blown away by this, but he fed like 15,000 people, and in my mind, if I'm a disciple, I'm not serving nothing. I'm standing right behind JC the whole time trying to figure out how he's doing this. I'm trying to figure out this magic trick he's doing, okay, because he just keeps reaching in this thing like Mary Poppins, pulling out stuff. I'm just like, hey, well, bro, where'd that piece of bread come from? I need, this, I need to see you do this real quick, because in like, 10,000, 15,000 times he does this with a piece of bread, and I still can't figure it out. That's what I'm thinking as a disciple. But anyways, he feeds like 15,000 people, and then they still have some. They still got some. And in my mind, there's a moral to that story too. And I don't really think to myself, this is for real. And this is the guy that you have put your trust in. Jesus Christ is the person that you have put your trust in And this is the person that you said, yes, I want to follow you. You are a follower of Christ. You are a Christian. You are like Christ. And this is the person that you are trusting in. So what What does that mean exactly? And I started to think about it. And to follow after Christ in the Greek, you know, like the original, like what it's supposed to be saying, like what it's supposed to be just like portraying is that we're supposed to imitate Jesus. As followers of Christ, we're supposed to be imitating Jesus, we're supposed to be taking what he's trying to teach and putting it into our lives and applying it and following after him with everything we've got. He is not just a part of our lives. He has now become our life altogether because we were dead. Now we are alive. He is our life. He is who we live for. He is who we live by. Who is who we go to when we're, when we're struggling, when we're weary, when we're strong, we go to him and thank him. All these kind of different things. He is our life now. And we're supposed to be following this guy who has fed over 15,000 people He's healed demons. He's calmed storms. He's, it's not just morals to these stories. This is a guy that we're following after. Okay, yes, there are more. There are things that we're supposed to be learning from that, but it's not just that. This dude's real. Okay? So we're going to read immediately after he fed these 15,000 people, these 5,000 men and their families were fed in, in verse 44 in chapter 6 of Mark. And in verse 45 it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across to the lake of Bethsaida while he, sent the, while he sent the people home. After telling everybody goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. So initially, he was saying, Hey, let's go get alone. Saw the people, he didn't go do that. He fed them instead. He saw a need and he met it. But then he says, He sent the people home, and he went. He said, disciples, y'all get in that boat, y'all go across the other side, I'll meet y'all some other time. And he goes up into the hills and he prays. If we're supposed to be imitating Jesus, then sometimes we just need to go into the hills and we need to pray. Sometimes we need to get away from this world We need to get away from the distractions, get away from our phones, get away from social media, get away from the TV, get away from all of our friends, get away from all of our family, get away from everything we possibly can other than Jesus Christ, God himself. Go to him and pray. If Jesus took the time out to go pray to his Father, then we should definitely take the time out to go pray to our Father. It is amazing the difference in your day that it'll make when you just go to God with everything you've got and you say, I want to follow you and you let him take all the weight that you're bearing on your shoulders that day, all the worries of this life, everything you've got planned for that day to give to him or even at the end of your day and you're like, man, that was a rough day. You go to him, even in the middle of your day, things are going rough. You're praying to him constantly. You just get away. You get away, and you go pray to him. That's what we're supposed to be imitating. And that's just to start off with. But here's the meat. It says, Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. And so about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus is up on the hills, and like this lake is kind of like in a valley, like, and there's hills like all around it. And that's probably why there's like so many storms and stuff there. But he's like on these hills, and he's looking down, and he can see them. He can see them on the water, and they're struggling because there's a storm. And so he starts walking out on the water... And what they're doing, they're rowing and they're struggling. They're trying to get to the other side. They're they're just trying to they're just trying to make it through this storm. Let me tell you something. This, he's they're struggling on the water. So this is nothing new to them. Because in chapter four, they did the same thing while Jesus was in the boat sleeping. They were struggling. So in the back of their minds, I'm I'm guessing that that they know that Jesus is up to something. But really, he's not just there. The the, the point of the story is not just that he calmed the water, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. He sent them on a journey. He said, y'all go get in the boat, you go across. Point A to point B. And He didn't just call us. He sent us on a journey. Listen to me. Your life is a journey. Your life will not be perfect. For the new Christians, for the people who have given their life to Christ, He will call you to do some pretty crazy things. He will call you to... to This life, this journey, you may not know exactly what it is. You may not know exactly the steps you're supposed to take, but you just get in the boat and you go. Some of y'all are there right now, struggling about, and I'm just going to be honest. I have to be open because what's mine is yours. My burdens are yours too. We're part of the same body, so I'm going to have to be honest from up here, be transparent. I'm struggling with my job. I thought that I was going to be working at this same place for, for years to come, But it seems like right now, it's like, I don't know, I'm struggling. What am I supposed to do? I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Let me tell you something else. I'm tired. I'm a little worn out, just to be honest with you. It's hard to be a leader. It's hard to preach. It's hard to have multiple jobs. A lot of people do it, so it makes me feel like I shouldn't be tired. It makes me feel like I shouldn't be struggling, because there's a lot of people who do it, so why complain? But I'm not complaining, I'm just, I'm just letting it out because I'm tired. I'm, I'm struggling. You know, and, it's, and someone said to me one time, it was like, you never know how selfish you are until you get married. Ain't that the truth. I didn't realize how selfish I was. That's hard. It's hard to not be selfish when you're selfish for so long. It's really hard. And I'm tired. And I just feel like in my heart... For every step of the way that God called me. When God called me to make Kylie my girlfriend, I knew in the back of my mind that he was up to something. And then I felt him calling me to ask her to marry me. And there's people all around me telling me, you might want to finish school first. You might want to get a good stable job. You know, graduate, make it real stable so that you can... You know, because women, they're expensive, you know. You know, all these kind of different things. And you need a house. All these kind of different things. People telling me not to, and I feel like God's telling me to. I just had to do it. And then I get married, and then, I mean, there's, there's jobs, and there's, there's school. Do I go back, or do I not? There's all these questions that y'all may be struggling with. I know you are. There's there's all kinds of variables in your life that God may be calling you to. And you feel like in your heart there's a journey that he's calling you to. There's a path that he's calling you on. And you might be scared. You might be wondering, is it what I'm supposed to do? And you might be thinking, what if I make the wrong decision? Just get in the boat. You get in the boat it 's not going to be smooth sailing the whole time there 's going to be storms there 's going to be times where you 're confused there's going to be times where you 're questioning did I, did I do what God called me to do or is he just changing up my, my plan a little bit or, is, or what is he telling me to do right now because i 'm so mad i'm just i 'm so confused and i 'm angry because i can 't figure it out and I feel like a I feel so worthless because I'm so selfish, and, and God, I've been a Christian for so this, this long and this many years, and I shouldn't be struggling with sin like I am. God, I feel like that I should be perfect by now, that I shouldn't be you know, hurting your heart anymore by sinning, and I feel like I shouldn't be struggling this way, and God, can you please just help me out? Could you please? Because there's waves crashing up. There's, there's temptations coming. There's struggles. There's, there's people coming against me. I feel alone even though I got people around me. There's so many struggles that we deal with and everybody in here is the same way. That's why I'm not scared to say it because we all struggle with things every single day. There's going to be waves. There's going to be storms. Even if you're going exactly where God called you. And I know Kenny can attest to this. It's this like we're in this room right now because he said yes, and that's not to pump him up, but God just chose to use him. Just like we're here and we have Jesus Christ because Abraham said yes, and that's the, that's the line that Jesus is supposed to come from. It, just say yes, and the struggles will come. And they, I promise you they will. And they'll be harder than you could ever anticipate. I anticipated marriage to be hard. I didn't anticipate my selfishness to be that hard to get rid of. I didn't anticipate all these things. You can't. You can't predict them. They'll come. You'll be terrified. You'll be absolutely terrified. But here's what happened. The waves are coming. They're rocking back and forth. They're struggling. They're rowing. They're, they're trying to get to the other side. They're just fighting, and they're, they're going on this race. They're going on their journey, and they're trying to get to the other side. They're trying to get to point B. They're trying to get to the end of their life. And they see Jesus walking by. Now, why does it say that he intended to walk by. Here's my guess. I'm not, I, I'm not just, you know, I don't have a revelation or anything for y'all. I mean, here's my guess. It's the fact that we will have struggles, but Jesus doesn't just make your life perfect and calm. Just all of a sudden, you're like, Ooh, there, there it goes, you know, like I wonder who did that. no. What happens is, is he gives you an opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you, so that you can acknowledge him. If he made your life perfect, you never knew who it was, would you ever acknowledge him? Would you ever say, Jesus, I need you? Or would you just say, oh, everything's just going to work out like it always does? Or, you know, oh, don't to come again. Like, well, where'd that come from? It just always works out, right? I hear that all the time. It's like people are just like, ah, man, uh, my sister died, but hey, you know, it all worked out, right? I lost my job, but hey, it all worked out in the end. Uh, when you die, I mean, like, when, when's it going to work out? You know what I'm saying? Like, when, when you go to hell? I, I, I don't really understand that. I, I'm not really sure where people, where people get that, that mindset. I mean, I know that, you know, ups and downs are going to come, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus intended to walk by, and they saw him. And then they were terrified. He said, hey, he said whoa, whoa, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Have courage because I'm here. And as soon as he climbed in that boat, the storm calmed down. That doesn't mean they don't stop rowing. It doesn't mean they don't stop struggling and trying to get to the other side. That just means in that moment, regardless of what happens in your life, whether it's cancer, whether it's death, whether it's hard times at work, whether it's, hey, I just got my feelings hurt a little bit and I don't know how to deal with it, whether it's any of that, the the storm is calmed. You will still be struggling. You will still be trying to go to the other side, but that storm is calm. In the midst of all that, you can trust in him. You can have peace regardless of your situation. You can have peace and you can say, God, I need you. And he will become your strength. He will be with you. You don't know what the moral of the story is? That he will be with you. When you go on this journey and you start your faith journey and you're struggling, no matter what happens in your life, he will be with you. No matter what. And to me, that's the most comforting thing I could ever read. That God of this universe, who controls the leaf on a tree falling in the fall, or he controls where the oceans begin and where the oceans end, that God is with me. That's amazing. And so the disciples were very scared right after that, even though they've seen it happen before. They were just they, they were just terrified and they still didn't understand. It says they still didn't understand how the the miracle of the loaves. They didn't didn't understand how or why he fed 15,000 people because their hearts were hardened. On this faith journey, you will never stop learning. You will never stop learning. And when you don't understand something, understand that your heart has just not been changed yet. It's okay. Don't freak out. It's just a lesson. You know what I'm saying? When you don't know something, and say you just all of a sudden, fast forward 12 years, you've been a Christian for 12 years, you still had not learned something, don't freak out you're brand new to this, it's day one, you followed after Christ, you're not learning, you've got to learn something, your heart's hard to it, and you still don't understand it, but you're like, God, I want to trust you, don't freak out. He'll be there. He'll make it make sense. He'll keep you strong to keep rowing, to keep struggling with the waves. He will keep you strong. He will be there. If you don't understand something, let Him be your understanding. Let Him be who you trust in. So, I guess this had to be first in our walk with Jesus because we, had to realize, we have to realize that when we go on our journey with Him, that we have to trust Him. We realize that we have to trust Him, we have to understand that He will always be there, he will never let you down. That's number one. When we follow after Christ, things are going to happen. You just got to trust Him. Trust. Trust Him. For real, trust Him. We talk about trust all the time, but for real, trust Him. So let me ask you a question. All right? Be real with yourself, okay? Tomorrow, someone says something to you, you don't really like it. All of a sudden, your boss comes up to you and says, I'm sorry, here's a box. Where does your trust lie? I know, I, it's hard, I, I know, I know it's hard. But listen to me. This is not a superficial trust. This is not like a lofty, you know, like, trusting God and everything will be okay. Like, we're not talking about that. I'm talking about for real trust. I'm talking about when nobody else is around, you know that he's there. Do you have that relationship with him? Because that's the one he's calling you to. When the storms rise up, you know he's going to be there. Christian, are you tired? Have you gotten complacent in your walk with him? You just know that everything's going to be okay because he's there. Well, why, don't you, why aren't you letting him bear your burdens? Why are you carrying around so much weight? If that's the case, take it off. Let me bear it. Let me carry it around. Don't do it yourself, because I want you to carry mine. I need you to carry mine. So ask yourself, but be for real do you trust him? Do you really trust him? And when you ask yourself that, understand that the answer will always be that he is trustworthy. He is always worthy of your trust. So let me pray, and I'm going to invite you to come down to this altar, open up, and answer that question for yourself. Lord, I just... God, my heart is so heavy with trusting you and and following after who you truly are. And God... My heart and my shoulders are so heavy with the worries of this life and with just trying to figure out what you're calling me to and and how to be a man, how to be a leader, how to be a husband, what to do next. I I don't know, God, but I know that I can trust you. And I know that if I'm going to teach anybody anything, it would be that we can all trust you. And God, that's exactly what your word says. And I'm so thankful that it is true. God, I'm so thankful that you speak to our hearts. I'm so thankful that you're with us no matter where we go. That you call us on this journey that we're supposed to go on. And you don't just leave us out to dry. God, you're watching us. You're taking care of us. You're protecting us. You're calming the storms in the midst of all the the stuff going on in our lives. You're calming it so we can just have peace with you and, and comfort in you. And so we can extend that to people who don't even believe in you. It's like, man, in this life it's hard, but you can trust God. He died for you. You can trust him. Father, I pray that you would convict hearts not. And God, I'm asking you, please do a miracle in somebody's heart. Please speak to somebody and give them strength to trust you tonight. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen.